Fifty years ago, Mel Brooks released The Producers. It was a movie about a scam to put on a Broadway musical that lost money. Years later, it became a Broadway musical about putting on that musical. And like the fictional musical, which was called Springtime for Hitler, The Producers was a hit, famous in its time as the first Broadway show ever to charge $100 for every ticket. Tomorrow night at the TCM Classic Film Festival in Hollywood, the 91-year-old Mel Brooks will screen the original film. NPR special correspondent Susan Stamberg got a preview of his talk. Mel Brooks' office at Culver Studios is lined with posters of his movies, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Blazing Saddles, Rows of his awards, Tonys, Emmys, Grammys, line a shelf. I'm just mounting it all up. I'm going to put it in a box and see what I can get from eBay. His Oscar's not there. He keeps it at home, safe from pilferers. He won it for Best Original Screenplay for the producers, the first film he directed, which almost didn't get made. Who would take on a film about producers hoping for a flop with a play called Springtime for Hitler? Every major studio turned it down. Producer Joseph E. Levine loved it, but... He said, I'll do it, but you got to do me one favor. Do not call it Springtime for Hitler because exhibitors will not put Hitler on the marquee. Call it something else. Mel did, and wrote words and music for a song with the original title. And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. Deutschland is happy and gay. We're marching to a faster pace. Director Brooks has chorus girls parade downstairs in this number. They are wearing bras decorated with puffs of beer foam, golden pretzels, dancers in stormtrooper uniforms goose step across the stage. Mel uses his own voice for one musical passage. Don't be stupid, be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. To do a number called Springtime for Hitler, every rabbi in the world sent me a letter. And I I responded to every single one and I said, listen, Get on a soapbox with Hitler, you're going to lose. He's a great orator. But if you can make fun of him, if you can have people laugh at him, you win. So far, so good. Mel had motivation, a producer, a theme song. Now he needed a cast. Broadway star Zero Mostel turned down the part of ridiculously manipulative, shrewd, money-mad producer Max Bialystok, sure that he'd make a fortune on a flop about Hitler by selling each of his backers 100% of the show. Zero Mostel's wife intervened. Katie Mostel read the script, thought it was great, and said, either you do this or we're divorced. Then, producer Joseph E. Levine didn't like Mel's pick to play the other producer, actor Gene Wilder. Joe said, you know, Mel, he may be a good actor, I don't know, but he's a funny-looking guy. I'll put in another twenty-five, fifty thousand 50000 into it. Just get a better-looking guy. Mel fought for Gene and won. Okay, Gene Wilder as timid, panicky Leopold Bloom. Then there was a problem with the actor he'd cast as Franz Liebkin, the Nazi-loving author of the hoped-for flop, Springtime for Hitler. Actually, a guy who lived on my block, Dustin Hoffman. But, another but, after signing, Hoffman showed up one day at Mel's office. 
He said, Mel, you can't believe this. I have to go to Hollywood for Mike Nichols to audition for Benjamin in a graduate. I said, go, go, oh, audition, you're a mutt. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, are you crazy, this short, funny-looking guy? So I said, I'm not worried. Dustin, I'm not worried. Well, he should have been. The graduate launched Hoffman's career playing opposite Mel's wife, Anne Bancroft. You get us laughing at things that make us feel naughty to laugh at. Really? Yeah, because they're so outrageous. It's too horrible. How can he poke fun at it? I think that's what goes on Well, that's the job. The comedy writer is like the conscience of the king. He's got to tell him the truth. And that's my job, to make terrible things entertaining. So in his films, Mel Brooks pokes fun at racial prejudice, the infirmities of old people, the Inquisition with its tortures and murders, and especially in the producers, anti-Semitism. Four years ago, Mel Brooks joined a roster of movie legends, Fred Astaire, Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe. Like them, he pressed his hand and footprints into wet cement in front of the Chinese theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Mel was thrilled to be asked. But he knew his fans would want to see something rapscallion-y. So I called somebody at Fox and I said, look, you guys are brilliant. Can you make me another finger? Well, who could turn down Mel Brooks? They built me... Another pinky, you know. So I had six fingers on one hand. Nobody said anything at first, neither did Mel. He just dreamt of the day when a guy from Ohio was looking at the pavement and then looking up and... Saying, Clara, come over here. I can't believe it. Look, Mel Brooks had six fingers on his right hand, you know. That's why I did it. To be me. Prisoners of love, blue skies above, cause we're still Oh, the fate of the flop? The producers go to jail, where they cast inmates in a new show, Prisoners of Love. The inmates invest, so does the warden. Tell him he owns 50% of the show. I'm Susan Stamberg, NPR News. I'm trying to